0: faith in five dollars five dollars six countries four months and a one-way ticket to southern russia this is a book about faith obedience and miracles by jonathan nowlin i hope you enjoy this reading of faith in five dollars chapter 10 miracle in minsk arriving in minsk the capital of belarus was an event full of mixed feelings I was excited to be in a new republic and looked forward to the upcoming camp programs we were to conduct. The other half of my thoughts constantly nagged at me with fear and doubts as we approached the hotel we would be staying in prior to the beginning of our camps in this city. The Belarus camp location was the least researched and least known of all our programs. Belarus was in bad shape at this time. Poverty was rampant and the mafia controlled almost every aspect of life. It was a time of every man for himself thinking that created an unstable and dangerous environment. Here we were right in the middle of this Wild West phase in Eastern Europe, and yet we were full of faith and knew beyond doubt that the Lord had directed our steps and was making our paths straight. Our team arrived at a small hotel that was decorated in classic Soviet style. Each room contained a bunk bed, a small desk, and a chair. It was more like a military barrack or a tiny college dorm room than what you might envision as a hotel room. We were just glad to be in a place with working bathrooms and some semblance of privacy. The problem I faced was that I still had no money to pay for food, much less this decent hotel. I had literally checked into the hotel in faith that God was going to provide a way for me to pay the bill. Mike and I were sharing a bunk room and we had just begun to settle into our tiny room when another true miracle occurred. Now, this hotel was a wild place. It was full of random foreigners and partying mafia gunmen, and it was definitely not a place where you'd want to leave your door open for very long. It was not uncommon for the perpetually drunk mafia hotel guests, who heard anyone speaking English, to force their way into a room to insist on a lively drinking party and some unfriendly gambling. Neither of these activities would end well, For the foreigner who became so unwisely involved on the other hand it was also a risk to refuse these drinks as they were the ones who were armed and tipsy so the best plan of action was to get into the hotel room as fast as possible close the door and keep your voice down as we had closed our door and were quietly settling into our room suddenly there came a clear sound of something sliding under the door I looked over, and sure enough, a small white envelope was lying on the floor. I quickly peeked out the door to see if anyone was in the hallway, but it was empty. On the envelope was writing in Russian that neither Mike nor I could decipher. I opened the envelope, and to my great surprise, it was filled with Russian currency. Now, there are a couple important facts to understand about this situation. First, none of my team members, other than Mike, knew that I was completely out of money. I had not let anyone know because I did not want them to feel compelled or pressured to pay for my expenses, especially since none of them had cash to spare beyond their meager personal budgets for the trip. Second, no one on our team could or would write a bunch of information on Russian on an envelope. My only surmise was that probably some slightly intoxicated individual had been trying to quietly pay for something illicit and did not want to be seen. Apparently he had picked the wrong door, or the right door, depending on whether or not you believe the hand of God was at work. By morning the next day, when no one had come around looking for a mysterious envelope of cash, it became a donation to the cause, the cause of Christ that is. I hadn't exactly won the lottery, and the envelope was just enough money to pay for Mike's and my hotel stay, and for the food we would need during the time we were not operating the camps. It was a spot on amount. Not too much and not too little. This was just another miracle in a long line of miracles that God was using to prove himself to me. The camp location near Minsk in which we were operating our program was dismal. The facility was being used already by a regular government-run summer camp. And really, it was just a summer warehousing for people's kids. We were to operate our program in a portion of the facility we had rented for 10 days. Normally, we would have brought kids in from local churches or networks, but this time we directly enrolled dozens of middle school-aged kids who are already living in this government-run facility. It was heart-wrenching. Every day when we arrived at the facility to begin our programs, the kids swarmed to us in a desperate crush of young people, trying to hug us and get near to us. Even little grade school-aged children would immediately hold our hands and cling to our legs. The heart-wrenching realization was that these kids knew in their spirits that we loved them and that they could trust us. We also discerned that they hoped desperately that we would rescue them and protect them from the people running this government youth camp. It became obvious that many of the children were being abused, and the agony of it for us was that there was nothing we could do to change the situation for the kids. There was no law and order. There were no police to even call. These poor kids were on their own. We spent 10 days trying to bring some love and healing into their hearts and minds. All of these children accepted Christ and many were powerfully transformed and strengthened in their hearts and minds. We spent hours earnestly praying for these students and for the conversion of the questionable supervisors at this camp facility. When the time came for us to leave, it was heartbreaking. These kids had finally found a safe place and a family, but now we would disappear. The only one and true hope for the desperate is the power of the love of Christ. We can only do so much, and we often find ourselves unable to solve the problems we see in the world. We left in prayerful tears, and I still remember those kids to this day. That experience worked to solidify my resolve to do something about the condition of the lost and of this suffering world. It birthed in me a revelation of personal responsibility, the absolute rightness of the ways of God, and the absolute evil of the devil and the world system. I determined to fight the world system and see the kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. If not me, then who? We arrived in Minsk once again and settled into an extremely run-down hotel near the area of the train station. We had a couple days left in Minsk before we had to take the train back to Krasnodar and then on to Tuapse on the Black Sea. With almost no means of communication, we were trusting in faith that the plans and arrangements we had organized with our local network of churches and Christians would yet hold together for that last big camp program. After months of intense ministry and huge amounts of physical and emotional strain, we were in great need of some rest and restoration. The schedule allowed us one free day. We soon saw that the guys and the girls on our team each had very different ideas about what would constitute a restful and fun day off. The girls decided they wanted to sleep in and then do some browsing in the local street market. Not surprising. The guys, on the other hand, somehow locked onto the idea we were going to watch some soccer on TV. Now, we hadn't even seen a television set in over three months, and we definitely did not know where to find one in Minsk. There was rumored to be a championship soccer match that was to be televised, so we focused our combined energy on finding a TV that was broadcasting the game. This pursuit became one of the most dangerous and bizarre elements to this whole adventure. We headed out onto the streets in Minsk and began to ask all of the reasonably nice-looking people we saw Where we could find a place to watch sports on TV. Oddly enough, most people pointed us in the same direction, so we were fairly convinced that somewhere at the end of this endless search there was actually a TV. We walked for miles through the city, finally came to a series of unfinished city blocks that appeared to have been under construction at one time. The scene was post apocalyptic. Abandoned construction equipment was everywhere, and giant construction cranes slowly rocked in the wind. There was partially built buildings in every direction. Apparently, when the Soviet Union dissolved, this construction zone had come to a sudden stop. We asked one last person on the street if this was where we could watch sports on TV. The area of town we found ourselves in was far from what we had envisioned. In our minds, we had imagined something like a downtown sports bar in the USA. In reality, we were in some kind of abandoned region of Minsk that could have made itself famous in a zombie movie. This last person that we asked confidently pointed towards a partially open, large metal door that led into one of the construction sites. A man knows he is desperate for some televised sports when he would consider for even a moment that going through this door was a remotely good idea But we were desperate and we went. We carefully walked through the construction site and approached a six-story building that was partially completed. When I say partially completed, I mean the bottom four floors were almost completely unfinished and wide open to the elements, as was the sixth floor. The only apparent floor on the building that could possibly contain a TV was the fifth floor. By this time, it was mid-afternoon and we knew the game was about to start. We quickly approached the staircase at the bottom of the building and encountered a really strange sight. There was an old man of at least 80 years of age sitting in a small chair at the bottom of the stairs. He had a cane and was smoking a cigarette. This should have been our first warning, but we were not thinking clearly. At this point, all we had on our minds was some food and a soccer game. The old man didn't flinch when we approached him and spent a good three minutes looking us over from the comfort of his little chair, We didn't know what to do, but we got the sense that somehow this old man was in charge. He finally took the cigarette out of his mouth and, with a jerk of his head, motioned for us to pass and go up the stairs. So up we went. By the time we reached the door to the fifth floor, we began to realize that something was really off here. We knocked on the door, a well dressed bouncer opened the door and stood aside to let us in. What we walked into was a shock to the system. It was like a five-star club and lounge, inclusive of crystal chandeliers, disco lights, a lounge singing act, and a huge sports bar. And yes, there was a TV, and the soccer game was just starting. We hadn't seen anything this nice in months. It was like we had opened a door and stepped into Las Vegas. We sat down and began watching the game. A well-dressed manager approached and introduced himself to us in perfect English. He sat down with us and insisted that we have a round of drinks on the house. Now, this was getting weird and a bit awkward. We started looking around at the dozens and dozens of well-dressed men and wildly dressed women who filled this club. We realized that this was the local mafia hangout. No one else in Minsk would have been able to afford the food or drinks that we were offered here. It was surreal. The lounge singer was singing cover tunes in terribly broken English, and the place was just starting to fill up. The manager finally left our table, and we began talking together about this odd situation. Our conversation revolved around weighing the wisdom of hanging out with Belarus's most wanted just so we could watch the soccer game, or getting out of there before something bad happened. Shortly after this conversation, our answer arrived in the form of a Belarusian SWAT team. Even though most day-to-day activities in Eastern Europe were steeped in corruption and mafia activity, there was still a concerted effort by the government to eliminate really significant and threatening criminal elements. As I looked around the club, I began to notice that at least three-fourths of the people who had, just minutes before, been partying like there was no tomorrow, suddenly disappeared. Before I could point out this observation to my teammates, there was a machine gun pointed right in my face suddenly there were military style police in full face masks and black body armor moving quietly through all the tables and rooms in the club the masked man pointed a gun at me and had a small picture clipped to the side of his weapon and was attempting to match our faces to the one he was looking for the police had quietly and quickly swung in through open windows and had simultaneously entered through all the doors of the premises They each had pictures clipped to their weapons, and they were looking for exact targets. Fortunately, we were not mistaken for the unlucky criminals whose images were etched on those small pictures. Then as quickly as they had swarmed through the club, they disappeared. By this time, it was dark outside and the police were gone before I could even get my mind clear enough to realize what had just happened. The police did not find the men they were searching for that day because someone had managed to tip off the most wanted patrons and they had mysteriously slipped out of the club seconds before the raid. Then in no more than five minutes, the club was completely full again and back to business as usual, just as before the SWAT team burst in. To this day, I have no idea where these people went or how they were tipped off. It was time to go. After this hair-raising experience, we decided that no championship soccer game was worth this kind of risk. We quickly exited, backed down the stairs, and headed out of the construction zone. Thank you for listening to the Metron Manager Podcast, presented by Jonathan Nowlin and the Metron Manager Project. Remember, God has given you permission and a commission to work. Learn more at metronmanager.com.